We continue with a new Mishnah, and on the side of the Gemara, you notice we have a Nosei Mivne heading. There's a house shape that appears and a double underline. Uh, these are Tanaiksuba, different conditions that uh, make up the Ksuba uh, marriage uh, document, the guarantees given to a woman. And Dafilu Lo Kosvan Chayov Bohen. Even if these conditions were not written in in actuality, he, the husband, is nevertheless bound to them. That they shuhu tonight basically each one is considered a court-based condition. It's not a personal clause that each husband uh, dreams up and writes in, but rather it's a, a pre-established court condition. Therefore, even without its appearing in the Ksuba document, it is binding. So as we uh, skim down, we notice you have uh, uh, a house around Bon and Dichrin, a house marking around Benon Nukvin, and number three, at is a reference to the Almona herself. So the first condition deals with uh, children that uh, male, Dichrin is word Zechorim, male children that they have, and the second condition deals with their with girls that they have together, and the third condition deals with the Almona herself. So now the Mishnah. Lo kosav law. A man did not write into the Ksuba the following. We're going to see uh, where the double line uh, underline appears. The next line, Chayev Shutnaibe, he says Chayev anyway. So what did he not write in? Donin Nukdichrin, the Yahavi Lifiminoi, the boys that are born uh, through us. When learning this Mishnah, bear in mind that we're dealing with a case of a man that will have two wives at the end of the day, uh, two sets of children. So he tells his wife, he says, the, he tells one of his wives, he, he says, and, by the, and we say one of his wives, I mean, he tells each wife this, this thing, that the male children that, that we have together... Inun yarsun kesef ksubosech yeser al chukahin deimachuhon. That eventually, and we're going to describe a case where the the two wives die in the lifetime of their husband. So the husband is telling them that you should know that eventually, after he dies and had inherited his two wives. Those properties that each woman brought into the marriage, and I, I must add, and, and, those, and those items that the husband had dedicated from his own property toward each wife, and they, they might very well be different amounts, but the, each woman is guaranteed that the children that she has with him each group of children respectively will inherit that which was written into their own mother's ksuba. So that if we want to take if we want to present things in a very superficial fashion, um, without there's there's much more detail than what I'm gonna say now, but if you have uh, uh, you have Mr. X, the man, is married to woman A and he's married to woman B, with woman A there was a ksuba value of 
$100, and with woman B, also a ksuba value of $100. However, with woman A, he produced two sons. With woman B, he produced ten sons. So the result of Ksuba's Bonindikran says that in the case of the two sons, they're going to be inheriting, as far as their mother's Ksuba, $50 apiece. Because there are only two sons and their mother's Ksuba total value was $100. Woman two's Ksuba was also total value of $100. But she produced ten sons with him, with the, with the husband. Each one will get only $10 apiece. That's a manifestation of this particular clause. As I said, there's much more detail than what I just said, but to give you a feeling of the, of the ramifications of having such a clause in, I think we accomplished that. So even if it's not written in, it's binding because it's a tonight based in. Another clause that is found in Ksubis, Benon Nukvin Dihavion Lichiminoi, the girls that we bear together, Yahavion Yasvon Bevesi Umitsinon Minirsi Aditilochen Leguvrin. They'll be entitled to stay in the house and derive support from my properties until they are taken by men, until they're married. Again, another example, something that the Gemara will add quite a bit of. of of, uh, we'll say, restrictions or qualifications of how this is to be applied. This is also Chayev Shu Tanai Beisdin. A third clause. Ate Yasve Bevesi You will continue living in my house and receiving support from my properties. As long as you are um, in your state of widowhood. Bevesi. Now the word Bevesi appears in this clause twice. That is a point of, inf- of, of, of importance later on. This clause, even if it's not written in Chayav, Shu Tanai Beisdin. Kachoyu Anshe Yerushalayim Koisven. That which we've seen till now is the text that the people of Yerushalayim uh, used to write. Anshe Golil Hoyu Koisven Kanshe Yerushalayim. And the people of Goliel followed that practice. Now, here's another practice. Anshi Yehuda, the people of the Yehuda region, uh, the Anshi Goliel represented the northern part of Eretz Israel, and the Anshi Yehuda is the southern part of Eretz Israel. They would write, You continue, you, the, the widow, the lady, will continue living in her husband's house until the heirs decide to pay her, her suba. Therefore, according to Anshi Yehuda, the, the, it seems like the, the Yorshim we can say are in the driver's seat. They can decide, take the Ksuba that you were guaranteed at the point of your marriage to our father and goodbye. The topic at hand is, the opening topic is Ksubas Bonendichr. Now, the more gives us some background to that issue of uh, the husband telling his uh, wife that the male children that we produce, they will get your ksuba. Don't make any mistake about things. This whole issue uh, is focusing on the on the women's respective ksubas. If this man uh, dies leaving uh, additional personal estate funds above and beyond the ksubas of his respective wives, 
So th- that, that property is inherited equally amongst all the sons. We had an example before of two sons and ten sons. That man had twelve sons. The rest of his properties will be, be split equally amongst each one of his twelve sons. But here we're focusing on the properties that were uh, written into the subos of their respective mothers. And as we said here, the Gemara gets into the background to all of this. Omar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochoi. Mipnei ma hiskinu ksubas bonen dichrin. Why was this made as an enactment? Uh, after all, a husband inherits his wife. And, in, and remember, we said before that this case of Ksus Bonadikrin is predicated on, a, on an assumption, or on, in the, on the case, at least our presentation was, a man had been married to two wives, and the two women died in his lifetime. When they die, the, the husband, uh, he inherits whatever properties his wives brought into the marriage. So once the... And that's a, that's a given. A husband inherits his wives. Why was there an enactment that the children of each wife uh, will inherit their mother's ksubas respectively, that which the, their father, in effect, inherited from them, from the women. So why was this established that it's uh, that the ksubas are uh, are directed to the uh, to the separate sets of children? Their mothers, their own mothers, suba will then be inherited by them. Answer: We want to encourage uh, men, fathers, fathers of girls. We want to encourage them that, in anticipation of their their girls getting married, that they will uh, assign properties, assign wealth to their daughters uh, just to read that line again the Adam here is that we want to encourage a father to write over to his daughter uh, as if she were a son is there anything that could be like this? So just to review what we've just said, the Gemara pointed out, in order to encourage a man to assign to his daughter properties, in order to encourage him to do that, in anticipation of her marriage, a person will do that only if he knows that his grandchildren will ultimately benefit from that. And how do we accomplish that? By letting a person know that the sons that your daughter uh, bears, they will be the ones to inherit those properties that you are now assigning to her. The Gemara asks, Could it possibly be that the, the Torah says 
that a when a man has sons and daughters, only the sons inherit, daughters do not inherit. The Asu Rabbonan Umesakni and the Rabbonan come along and make a a rule or a tikkun the Terus Barta. In other words, here we're encouraging a father to give over properties that his sons would have inherited upon his death. And while the father's alive, he's going to be assigning these properties, or some of the properties, that his sons would have inherited to his, to his daughter. So the Gemara says, Honami Doraisahu. This takona is also within the realm of the Torah's concept. How do you figure that? There's a posik in Yirmiyo, which is encouraging uh, parents to marry off their children. Uh, so uh, the posik says, uh, first of all, get married, bear, uh, have sons and daughters, then take daughters for your sons, and your daughters... And you your and take wives that is uh, women for your sons and and for your daughters give them over to men. So bishlama bonim biyodei kaimi. I can understand when you're talking about your sons, talking about the male children. It's something within the man's power to get a wife. It's the derech. It's the way of men to seek out their female. Mate, their spouse. Allah bin say me kaimin biyade. The Pasuk is instructing that uh, that for your daughters you should give your daughters over to men. Is it in uh, is it in a father's power to give his daughter over to some man? The man has to want her. He has to initiate it. What's what's this idea of a father giving his his daughter over to men? So Hokomash Malon, the Pasuk is telling me the following. The nilbisha v'nichsa v'nesiv lo'amidi clothe her and give her properties ki hechi dekafsi aloh v'yosu nasvi so as to serve as an incentive to menfolk to come and seek her out. If if the menfolk know that this girl has along with her a bundle of property, it makes her all the more attractive in terms of marriage so that this is this idea of encouraging fathers to assign properties to their daughters even though those very properties are properties that their sons would have inherited nevertheless this idea as you can see is sanctioned by the scripture as well the ad kamo and how much is that when we speak about uh, giving over uh, a father assigning properties to his uh, daughters, how much? Up till a tenth of his uh, of his possessions of his of his properties. As we go on in the Gemara, you notice a series of triangles on the side of the Gemara. We have a mivne structural note which features a triangle, and we've written sidra shel she'elois. A series of questions, Shehem Be'etzem, which are essentially Hatzois Chilufios Ladina Kayim Shel Bonin Essentially, we have suggestions or alternative suggestions to the current understanding, to the current halacha 
of Bonin Dichrin. So maybe we should just state what the current halach of Bonin Dichrin is so that we appreciate the questions. The current halach of Bonin Dichrin states that the uh, respective sets of children from each wife that a man happened to have when he dies, when the husband dies, so the male children of each one of the wives will inherit their own mother's ksuba. Whatever properties her father and the husband had assigned to that particular woman, i.e. their mother, the the uh, ch- her children, her male children that remain, they will inherit their mother's ksuba. What is their mother's ksuba comprised of? It's comprised of properties that her father, or we call it their maternal grandfather, had assigned to her in anticipation of her wedding, plus properties that the husband had assigned uh, toward her when they were getting married. So that any given man, if he has two or more wives, so there, there, are two, there are two sets of children that we're talking about. Each set of children will inherit their mother's ksuba, which, as we said, is comprised of their respective maternal grandfather's dedication plus their own father's dedication toward uh, each one of his wives. And as we said, the amounts uh, will will vary, uh, either in the uh, um, amount that was written into the ksuba or the amount of children that the man produces from each one of his wives. So now the Gemara asks, the Amor, why not say as follows, the Av Lerus, the properties that the maternal grandfather had dedicated toward his daughter's marriage, that is what is inherited separately by each set of children. But what their father had dedicated toward their mothers, the, the basic suba of monomosayim. That's uh, if the mother was a widow, so it's 100 zoos. If, it's, if the mothers were virgins when they got married, they were 200 zoos. That, that amount is not to be inherited by the, each set of children separately, but rather that would be part of, the, of their father's estate and distributed equally amongst all the children. The Gemara says, well, if, if you're going to take that approach... If that which the uh, children's father had dedicated toward their mother's marriage will not be inherited separately by each set of children, then the maternal grandfathers would not have will not assign. They will mimnize withhold and not assign. Uh, properties to their daughters in anticipation of the marriage. The Amor, well, let's say as follows: Hecha de Kosav Av Lichtov Baal. 
why not formulate the halacha like this that where a father writes a a, a dowry over to his daughter so then the the din of Subas Bon and Dikrun will apply and the father and the and their and their their own father's uh, Ksuba will be inherited by the separate sets of children respectively however but if let us say uh, imagine a poor girl gets married and their fathers don't have what to give over to them but the uh, husband he does assign uh, 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 properties to each one of his wives but since the father uh, didn't assign anything so then the husband's own uh, Suba dedications will not be uh, inherited separately by each set of children the Gemara says no lo plug Rabbonin when the Rabbonin established the halach of Ksubas Bon and Dichrin they did it in an unqualified fashion namely whether or not the maternal grandfather assigns properties to his daughters the Ksuba of each wife will be inherited by their children separately the Gemara asks Bas Bain Habonim Nami Tirus we take a look at Rashi on uh, a first line under the Gemara text, first wide line of Rashi under the Gemara text. Bas on bonim tiros kevon de taimo mishum nedunyahu hecho de ein lo bonim mimeno elo yeshlo bas min hoisha achas u bonim min hoacheres tito bas hayechidok subas imo lirash nedunya shenosan avi imo. Imagine a case where the uh, man, the husband, had left two wives, and one of the wives had with him only a daughter, the, and the other wife had sons. The suggestion here is, is that regarding the Ksuba inheritance, that single daughter that he had with one, uh, with, with one wife she should inherit her mother's ksuba. And yet the Mishnah says that no, that this halacha of mother ksuba inheritance is only born in different male children. The Gemara answers, Kenachlo shavua rabbonon. This halacha of ksuba's born in dikrin is formulated along the lines of the rules of Yerusha. Nachlo Inheritance and the laws of Yerusha say that when a man dies leaving sons and daughters, the sons inherit, the daughters do not inherit. Question Bas Bena Bonos Tiros. Well, okay, once you say that the, the law of Ksuizwan and Different parallels the laws of Yerusha, the law of Yerusha says that when a man dies leaving no sons, just daughters, then the daughters inherit his property. So that imagine the following. We're talking about a man who had been married to two wives. From one wife, there was one daughter. And from the other wife, there were several daughters. So why not have the girl who is the, well, the only child from her mother? She inherits her mother's suba. And the other girls from a woman that produced several daughters, they inherit their mother's ksuba. And yet, 
we, we don't say that. The halacha was born in dichrin. Dichrin meant male children. So why in this case are we not going to distribute the uh, uh, um, the way we just suggested? The Gemara says, Lo plug rabonan. The Rabbonon made no distinctions. When they imposed the halacha of Ksubas Bon and Dikrin, they said very simply that uh, girls, girls, uh, children, female children will not inherit their mother's Ksuba. And uh, to, be, to be more, let's say, uh, focused in our explanation, just like we said that Bas Bein Habonim does not inherit, so to Bas Bein Habonos will not inherit. Continuing in the Gemara, the Tigvi Mimetautali, the concept or the, the uh, translation of Mitautali is portables. Um, if we look in the Rashi, on the, uh, let's say, the fifth wide line of Rashi, the Tigvi Mimetautali, Kevon de Taimo Mishum de Dunyas Avi Hoem Hu. Since the basis of Ksubas Bon and Dikrin is in order to encourage uh, fathers to assign properties, assign dowries to their mothers, to their uh, to their daughters. And Rashi makes reference to Avihaim. We're talking about of the eventual uh, grandchildren inheriting from their maternal grandfather. Aloma Amrino Lea. Why has it been said before? We learned this on Dafnun. There was a comment made which was obscure and it had to be explained. And we explained that the institution of Subas Bon and Dikrin states that when, when the man, when the father of these two sets of children dies, if he did not leave any real estate, any landed property, even a very small amount, then the halach of Ksudas Bon Dikrin will not apply. And all of the value, all of the properties of the respective Ksubas will be distributed equally amongst all of his sons. Only if there is real estate that this man leaves uh, above and beyond the value of the respective Ksubas then we allow Subas Bon and Dikrin to apply, to kick in. So here the Gemara is asking, following Rashi's uh, explanation, why not allow Subas Bon and Dikrin to take place even if there was no real estate left by the, uh, by the husband, um, but uh, there were portables that were left by the husband. So the Gemara answers, Kiksuva Shavyuha Rabonon. The law of Ksubas Bon and Dikrin is like the law of the basic Suba. Now, the law of the basic Suba says, Rashi says here, Ksuba Shavura Bonan, Umetaltadli Lasmi Lo Mishtabdi Lishtara. Portables are not, uh, are not, portables uh, inherited by orphans are not a source of collection for uh, uh, documents that are left by their father. So if a, if a man uh, owed money and he, in, in his estate, he left only portables that were inherited by his children that are now called the Yasmi, the, the orphans, so the, the father's creditors cannot collect from those. And this uh, idea of Ksubas Bon and Dikrin is viewed as 
as that. And therefore, if the father did not leave any land, so that the so just he left just portables of his own, so then the uh, collection of the Tsubas Bon and Dikrin cannot take place. We continue in the Gemara. Titrof Mimeshabdi. If you're telling me that Ksubas Bon and Dikrin is like the Ksuba, so just like in the case of a reg- the basic Ksuba, when a man dies leaving a widow, uh, and the, uh, the man had sold off properties in his lifetime, the widow can go to the purchasers, those are the, we call them the Meshubodim. She has a lien on them. She can go to them and say, you know, my husband owed me, uh, prior to your purchase, he owed me my Ksuba, so I'm coming to you for collection of my Ksuba. So what the Gemara is suggesting here is allow the respective uh, sets of children to collect their mother's aksuba from properties that the father, who in effect inherited his wives, had in the meantime, while he was still alive, had sold off. So let these heirs, uh, the, res- the, the, res- the sons of the respective uh, women go to those purchasers and say, uh, we're here to uh, in- inherit our mother's uh, ksuba. The Gomorrah answers, no, we don't do that because yar sun tnan. The, uh, the language of the of ksubas bonivikrin is, and you can, you can see in this language in the mission itself, if you look back, uh, we have a little uh, arrow to the side of more to the right hand side of the Gemara text, you can see uh, above where the uh, uh, opposite the fourth wide line of the Gemara, you can see that in the original language, the original Tanai, the original condition of Tsubas Bon and Dikrin, it said Bon and Dikrin Dihavun Inun Yarsun. There's the key word Yarsun Kesik Tsubasech Yeserachukon The word Yarsun is Lord Yerusha, inheritance. And we heirs, when they inherit their father's estate, they inherit that which their father left in his own possession. They don't go to properties that their father had sold during his lifetime. The Gomorrah continues, Why not say, The rule of Ksubas Bon and Dikrin, we alluded to this before in passing, that uh, the two sets of children will inherit their mother's uh, ksubas respectively only if the, their, their father, i.e. the husband of these women, had his own property valued at one dinar more than the... or there's one dinar of his own property besides the property written into the ksubas of the respective ladies. Now, Dina is not a lot of money, but there has to be a mosar, mosar means extra, above and beyond the value of the ksubas that that father had of his own properties. If he had mosar dinar, uh, mosar dinar of land, then the halach of ksubas bonin dikrin will take place. If not, then, as we said before, the... All of the two ksubas, if it's two wives, is pulled together and distributed equally amongst all of the sons. So why not say that ksubas bon and dikrin applies even if there is no moser dinar? 
The Gemara says, In a situation where we'll uproot the the uh, will uproot entirely Yerusha, uh, the laws of inheritance as perceived by the Torah. How does the Torah perceive the laws of inheritance? When a man dies, all of his sons, even if they're from several different women, all of the sons inherit his property equally. Subas Banadikran is a, is a very unequal distribution of properties. So unless we can show that with regard to some aspect of his estate, there was equal distribution of properties amongst all of his children, if we can't do that, then there's no Subas Banadikran procedure either. And uh, therefore, if we can allow the laws of Yerusha to manifest themselves on that Mosar dinar of the father's or, or husband's own property, then we can say, so to speak, we fulfilled our Torah obligation of Yerusha on that small piece of property, the Mosar, the Mosar dinar. And now, as far as the Ksubas are concerned, that can be uh, inherited by the by the separate sets of children, respectively. Each one inheriting their mother's ksuba. Before we go further in the Gemara, we have a topic heading in Osei, Rav Popa Mechaten Es Beno. Rav Popa is seen in the upcoming story, uh, marrying off his son, Umagia Lebes Avi Hakala, and he arrives at the house of the father of the bride, Lahachin Haksuba Velirshaim Schum Hanedunya, in the house of the Kala, so the Ksuba will be written up and they're gonna they're gonna write into it the amount of the dowry. Yehuda Bar Remar Mislavler of Papa uh, this individual, Yehuda Barmero, you'll see from the context of the story, is apparently an important individual. He comes accompanying Rav Popov. And uh, his presence, uh, Yehuda Barmero's presence, uh, appears as a pressure, as a source of pressure on the father of the bride to increase the amount to be written into the ksuba. If that sounds a little bit abstract, of course, we're missing the details. Let's take a look now at the Gemara. Rav Papa, Yasik Rav Papa was involved in preparing, helping to prepare the wedding of his son in the home of Abba Sura. Abba Sura, that is the name of the father of the Kala. He went to have the Ksuba prepared. Shoma Yehuda Bar Remember, heard about this Nafak also Ishazile came and appeared to him and they started walking together. Kimotu Lapisha when they got to the door of Abu Surah, have a Komiftar Mine Yuda Bar Remar wanted to take leave. He he he, he, he sought out the uh, permission of Rapapa to uh, allow him Yuda to go back home. Omar Lay. Rapapa said, Nay Omar Bahadoy, come in with me. We continue at the top of Daf Nun Gimel. Chazia the low have a nichole. Papa saw that Yehuda Bamrim was uncomfortable. Uh, he didn't want to go in. Omar lay my daitoch. So Rav Papa says to his uh, 
to his friend, he says, uh, what's, uh, what's your concern? Are you worried about what Shmuel said to Rav Yehuda? Shinanah, he says, wise one, lo teheve ba'avuri achsanta, don't be present when there is transfer of property of of, an, of uh, one's property, afilu mi bisha lebra tova. If you ever, if you uh, happen to be aware of a father who is transferring, uh, let's say, reassigning in anticipation of uh, inheritance, you might say in the preparation of a will, he's he's assigning, uh, and he, has, he has sons of different qualities, Brabisha, uh, an undesirable type son, and Brabisha, a good son, as the Rav Yudas is told by Shmuel, don't be present when a father is reassigning his properties from a from a bad son to a good son. Um, and you know why? The loyadia, you never know. My Zara Nofak Mine. If you're if the father's goal is to uh withhold uh properties because his son chose a a uh, a negative way of life, but one doesn't know what kind of grandchildren will come forth from the from him. In other words, one has a son that cho- chose a chose an undesirable path of life. If you cut him out from the inheritance, you might, in effect, be cutting out the grandchildren from wealth, and those grandchildren themselves might be quite desirable. So you, you never know. Uh, you never know who's going to come forth from whom. So don't play around with your estate by assigning more to one and less to the other. And uh, as Shmuel tells you, don't be present when you see the redistribution of of one's estate from one in favor of the other. The came, and you might reason, me bra labarta, when properties are being transferred from a son to a daughter. When we said before that the laws of inheritance from the Torah standpoint say uh, only sons inherit, daughters do not inherit. And and here we're going into a house where Abba Surah apparently has uh, sons and he's uh, assigning properties to his daughter in anticipation of her marriage. So is that why uh, you're hesitating entrance because of what Shmuel told Rav Yehuda? So Rav uh, Papa continues saying, if that's your reason, but Honami Takanta de Rabbonani, this idea of a father transferring property from uh, from his son, in other words, anticipated property that his son would inherit eventually, and transferring it to his daughter is also a rabbinic enactment. The Omer of Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai. That was what we featured uh, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, who quoted Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And uh, if you, uh, you and you note the Gemara back on Nun Beis Omid Beis. This is what uh, we saw at the very... You can see we have a, a corresponding arrow right at the beginning of the Gemara's discussion on the Mishnah. Back there again on Nun Beis Omid Beis. That was... He, it, it, we explained that we wanted to encourage men to marry women and how does a father see to it that that takes place by assigning um, properties uh, to his... Uh, assigning a nice... Uh, generous dowry to his daughter. So, uh, 
Come in, says Rav Papa. Omar Lay. We continue in the Gemara. So Yehuda Bamrema says, Hani Mili Midate. That's all fine and good when the father is acting on his own. La Nami, but to force a father to give something that he might not want to give over to his daughter, is that also desirable? Did I say come in and force him? I said come in and don't say anything. Don't don't force him. Just come in and sit sit quietly. Just be with me. says My mere entrance to the house, my entering entering with you, that itself will be a source of undue pressure. Uh, Whereby the whereby the the father Abusura will will add uh, because simply because of my presence here because of, out of honor to me so he'll add more money to his daughter than more than he would have assigned otherwise. <laughs> Nevertheless, Rav Papa prevailed upon Yudabai Meimar. He entered, remained silent, and sat down. Sovar, now Abu Sura sees uh, his Mechutin's friend, it says Rav Popa's friend, Yubarmer, sitting there, remaining silent. Sovar, Ihu, Mirsach, Rosach, and Abu Sura thought that he's, he's, his, his silence is a sign of anger. In other words, that uh, the anger that he's at, that Abu Sura is not signing enough, not writing enough into the Ksuba. So Abu Sura was felt intimidated. He wrote everything that he owned to his daughter. Lesof Omar Lay after uh, afterwards he said, "Hashto nami lo mishtoi mar." That's uh, Abu Sura saw that Yudubar Emar kept quiet. He says, well, "You're still you're still silent." Chayidamor lo shviki midav shoy. By uh, by your life, he swore I didn't leave for myself anything. responds, If you would have asked me for an eitz for counsel, Even that which you wrote in is uh, I'm not comfortable with it. So should I now back out? It seems. It seems if I can add my own interpretation, it seems that when uh, when uh, you, when Yudah Bar Meimer says, "If you would have asked me, even that which you wrote in," it seems that the, even that which you wrote in initially, I wasn't happy with that. Maybe you know, it could have been less, and it would have been fine too. So Abu Surah says, "Should I back out now? Should I should uh, subtract, reduce that which I assigned?" I'm like, "No, I'm the, don't do that now." Shavia Nafsho Hadrano Lo Kamina. To make yourself into a hadrana, hadrana is someone who backs out. You know, he gives and takes back. That that's not a proper uh, proper thing to do. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you make yourself into a hadrana. Um, so you can see here the uh, the significance in this sukya of the of the of the ksubas and dikrin, and how all of this is uh, designed to encourage marriage. Encourage uh, men to seek out wives because they they're coming into the marriage with additional funds, making them uh, more attractive as uh, as mates, and uh, all of this is in the interest of um, assuring the uh, development of Jewish families of a, of a new of the next generation.